Welcome to Sustainably Speaking. I'm Mia Quinn. In addition to being your host, I also work in the plastics division at the American Chemistry Council. Every day, I get to see the incredible work our members are doing in sustainability and in creating new technologies. These innovations not only improve people's lives, but have the potential to address challenging issues around plastic waste. I want to share those stories with you. Today, we're sustainably speaking with Dr. Albert Wu. Dr. Wu is a plastic surgeon specializing in the field of craniofacial surgery and is a pioneer in medical 3D printing. In this episode, we'll explore how advancements like these are changing the landscape of specialty manufacturing in the medical field and beyond, while also contributing to a more sustainable future. This process of manufacturing, known as additive manufacturing, is revolutionizing the way we create unique, resource-efficient products that minimize waste. And for the medical field, increasing the success and longevity of patient outcomes. After hearing from Dr. Wu, I'll chat with Joshua Baca, who heads up ACC's Plastics Division, to get his perspective on how 3D printing is creating a more sustainable world. Hi, I am Albert Wu. I am a plastic surgeon uh, specializing in the field of craniofacial surgery. What I do as a plastic surgeon is not typically cosmetic surgery that many of us uh, are familiar with, but really what I do is focus on reconstructing patients from the neck up, really. Um, So uh, I deal with a lot of pediatric plastic surgery, and in particular dealing with kids with facial deformities, including cleft lip and cleft palate deformities, kids who are also born with uh, skull defects and abnormalities. Beyond that, I also practice uh, plastic surgery on on adults. And in in terms of adults, a lot of uh, the work that I do is in reconstructing things that have been broken uh, as an adult. And for instance, that would be patients who have been involved in car accidents, Uh, or other types of injuries that have broken their bones. And in that regard, I would be the person who uh, reconstructs the facial bones after trauma. Besides that, we have lots of patients who have cancer of some variety or some sort of tumor. And other surgeons may specialize in terms of taking out the tumor. Uh, Once the tumor is out, they would call a specialist like myself to come back and reconstruct it. So if large segments of the skin or the bones have been removed, then I would be the one who, who comes in and, and puts all of that together. Given the experience in terms of facial reconstruction, people like myself focus a good deal on three-dimensional anatomy. Uh, as you might understand, the face is an extremely complicated three-dimensional structure and is a lot more complicated than, say, the back or the arms where everything is kind of flat or round. The nose, for instance, has multiple different subunits and different sections to the nose. The eyelids have different sections. The, the lip, for instance, is, is very functional, very mobile, and has uh, muscle and skin and, and other layers that need to be reconstructed. And all of those are things that, that I focus on. Because of that, plastic surgeons like myself tend to think very three-dimensionally, and that's where our interest in... 3D printing and 3D modeling has come to pass. I happen to have worked at Washington University in St. Louis for a period of time, and that's actually where a lot of 3D modeling of CT scans was initially developed. And so uh, much of my research originally focused on three-dimensional models. 
before we dive deeper, I think it's important to understand Dr. Wu's background, how he ended up in this type of medicine, and where his passion for medical 3D printing came from. He knew he wanted to help people, but wasn't sure which route to take in his career. I was interested in uh, plastic surgery fairly late in, in my education. I, I honestly, as a medical student, had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I, I knew I wanted to help people, and certainly plastic surgery was uh, far from the top of the list in, in that regard. But it just happened that I, ha I stumbled upon a plastic surgery rotation as part of my general surgery experience. I kind of randomly got rotated through the plastic surgery service for a week. Uh, again, I had no idea what to expect. Uh, at that time, I was really kind of shocked at the type of things that plastic surgeons do. Plastic surgeons are well known for thinking kind of outside the box and solving complex problems. And the other beauty of plastic surgery has always been that we as a specialty operate from head to toe. I would venture to say that plastic surgeons are very much general in, this, in the sense that I as a specialist focus on the head and neck. A lot of my partners will focus on the trunk or body and others of my partners will focus on the hands and other extremities. So it's, it's kind of a fascinating field. Uh, and a lot of what we do is really solve problems and uh, solve challenges. And, and really the, the remarkably rewarding thing is that we work to help make people's lives better. Uh, people who have been injured in accidents, people who have lost function, people who've had parts of their body have to be removed because of cancer or other issues. You know, our goal is to try to make them whole again or, or to get them back to being as functional as possible. And, and that's been incredibly rewarding. Plastic surgery is a discipline that requires more creativity and adaptability than most medical specialties. So clearly, 3D printing can help these surgeons and their patients more than x-rays and CT scans. Dr. Wu continues to explain how 3D printing is used in reconstructive surgery and how the technology could change a patient's outcome. As a plastic surgeon, we deal with 3D printing pretty regularly, and particularly in, in my field of craniofacial surgery. To start, I would say that facial trauma is something that I deal with all the time. Again, people get into car accidents or sometimes fistfights or uh, just fall down the stairs for, uh, for whatever reason, and they present with pretty severe deformities, breaking their cheekbones, breaking their jaws, breaking their eye sockets. And when we're looking at the face, for instance, the anatomy is incredibly complex. And so, you know, back in the days when we used to take x-rays, the x-rays really didn't do it justice because you're trying to compress all of the information of a three-dimensional structure into just a flat x-ray film. Those weren't particularly helpful to us. CT scans later, later came about, but uh, the problem with CT scans is that they basically sliced up the bones into little cuts. And you had to use your imagination and, and whatever education that you had to try to piece together in your mind what exactly was going on. That's where 3D printing really came to, to play for us. We found that by taking all of that information and putting it together into a three-dimensional model, we were able to have a much better idea of what exactly was going on. Uh, so instead of having to look at 100 different slices uh, of the face and thinking to yourself, how exactly 
or number one, what exactly is going on? And then number two, how exactly am I going to fix this? The beauty of 3D printing is that you have a, an anatomic three-dimensional structure right in the palm of your hand. And, you know, we as human beings, we, we live life three-dimensionally. We walk around. This is what we're used to, looking at three things uh, from a three-dimensional perspective. So it just makes it so much more intuitive for doctors like myself to understand what's going on so that we can have a better idea of how to fix it. Like many technologies, 3D printing has and continues to evolve and become more accessible and affordable. As it evolves, Dr. Wu has witnessed how 3D printing dramatically changed patient comfort and outcomes. In the past, 3D printing as a technology, uh, which was developed in the early 80s, uh, really was only available to multi-million dollar companies that could spend a million dollars on a giant 3D printer. It was only, you know, 20 years later, after a lot of those patents had expired, that enthusiasts all across the country could build their own 3D printers and could start putting together things in the convenience of their own home. And the beauty of that is that it really widened the ability for people of all socioeconomic statuses to be able to utilize this technology. So where does sustainability come into play when it comes to 3D printing? The technical term for 3D printing that we use nowadays is something called additive manufacturing. Uh, and so you, you might understand that we, we call it that because the, the one idea that they all have in common is that we're adding. So we're starting with a little seed of something and we're building on it rather than the traditional subtractive uh, idea where Michelangelo looked at a, a block of marble and when he carved his David, he, he said, well, you have to just have a vision of exactly what's inside that marble and then take everything else away. Because of the additive uh, nature of this technology, there are dramatic improvements in terms of waste. So we uh, waste a lot less material. Um, the technology also makes it much faster so that we're not grinding away globs of material, but actually creating only, only what we need. The metaphor of David is a great one to picture how additive manufacturing is changing how we make new essential products with less waste. Plastic and other advanced polymer materials have redefined what is possible in modern society including providing the versatile and durable plastic threads used to 3D print items like life-saving medical devices. A lot of the 3D printers that all of us are familiar with that, that we're seeing in the public eye are these kind of relatively cheap enthusiast printers that even my kids are utilizing and uh, pe people are using in schools to create a simple plastic device. The printers that we currently have in my office have eight different inks in them so that they can print not just in multiple colors or, uh, you know, 360,000 different uh, color arrays, but also printing and mixing materials where I can actually print in a rubber with one ink and uh, with a hard plastic in, in another and actually combine the two so that there are different gradients of flexibility in regards to the material. We're able to now combine multiple different modalities or multiple different x-ray type of technologies. So not only can I use it as reference with something that is non-sterile, that is sitting on a desk next, next to me as I'm operating, but 
we're now able to take these materials, we're able to put them through the sterilizer in the operating room, and I'm able to actually like literally hold the skull in my hand or a great model of the skull as I'm operating on the actual patient. So I can put my finger on the structure that I need to fix, and then I can uh, reference that on the actual model and then decide how I do that. We can take that a step further. Beyond that, we can go from just use, using these models as reference to actually performing surgery on the models and then using that as a guide to create our reconstruction. This technology allows Dr. Wu, as well as other healthcare providers, to work more efficiently. Examples of that would be, say that you blew out your eye socket or something like that. I'm sure most of the audience has no idea what I'm talking about, but somebody punches you in the eye, the bones around your eye are very thin and those bones can fracture very easily. So if that happens, a lot of times the, the surgery around the eye socket is very delicate. The last thing we wanna do is damage your eye or damage uh, anything that could impair your vision. So that's a, a pretty complex surgery that, that we're undertaking. The problem with the eye is that, again, it's a very complex three-dimensional structure and sometimes we just don't know how those bones are supposed to go. So if all these three-dimensional structures are blown away, how do, how do I reconstruct that? What we're doing now is I'm taking a 3D model of the patient. The person has a normal eye socket on one side, a destroyed eye socket on the other. We are cutting the model in half, three-dimensionally uh, manipulating it. So I'm taking the mirror image, floating it over to the opposite side. And now, based on the good eye, I can now see exactly what the three-dimensional structure is supposed to be. We print it out that way with the idealized structure. And then now what I can do is if I'm going to put a special implant, like a piece of plastic or a metal implant in there, I can literally push that metal implant against my model to three-dimensionally reshape it into the exact shape that I need. 3D printing has made enormous strides in only the last few decades and is continuing to grow in the medical field and beyond. As we try our best to look into the future, Dr. Wu speculates about the future of this technology. Even beyond just templating, uh, we are now able to actually design surgeries on the computer. So uh, when we're talking about jaw reconstruction, for instance, if the doctors need to remove half of your jaw, then one of the things that we can do is we can actually take a bone from your leg called the fibula, and we can take a straight piece of bone, cut it into multiple little jigsaw puzzle segments, and then reshape it to create another three-dimensional structure. That's really hard to do if I'm just kind of eyeballing it and pretending that I'm Michelangelo and kind of putting everything together on the operating room table with the patient asleep under anesthesia. So I will take the saw and cut literally on the dotted lines so that when we take those little pieces of bone out that we cut out, all of it fits together perfectly. So those are different areas that we're kind of taking advantage of, uh, and we're continuing to kind of push the boundaries in terms of what we're able to do with, with this technology. Dr. Wu sees a bright future ahead with better outcomes both for patients and for the environment. What is in our future? Currently, we're able to manipulate models that we can use as guides or templates 
or as uh, just uh, three-dimensional models of what the actual structure is. In the future, what I really hope happens and what I expect to happen is that we're not only allowed to just create a model, but we're allowed to create implants. And what I mean by implants is something that we print out or we develop that we can actually implant into the human body. So currently we're not able to do that. And that's really because of FDA concerns, you know, because uh, we certainly want to have a, a certain degree of quality control. But I do honestly feel that in the near future, we certainly have the technology to not only create a model of what we want, but to create an actual reproduction. One example of that would be uh, skull reconstruction. You know, uh, unfortunately, there are thousands of individuals who get involved in car accidents or who have to have emergency brain surgery where the neurosurgeons have to take out a piece of your skull and remove it from the body in order to save your life. Uh, that may be because of severe trauma, maybe because of brain swelling, whatever the medical problem may be. Currently, what we are doing uh, in terms of reconstructing that is getting an implant that is designed by an outside company that's FDA approved to do so, and then taking an implant, which is essentially kind of a piece of plastic, to put back into the skull to, to recreate a, a normal skull for you. While advancements in 3D printing can help patients and healthcare providers, they're also good for the environment. Dr. Wu believes that additive manufacturing technologies can unlock a more sustainable, less wasteful world where less can be more. And all of those things are currently done with subtractive processes. As I noted, you know, these subtractive processes are, are really kind of a, a, a waste of material. And I think with the additive processes, we're able to do that in a much less wasteful fashion. So not only do we have the technology to additively manufacture that, but I'm hoping that in the near future, we will be able to manufacture that in the hospital uh, and that the FDA will, will approve those processes. So um, you know, how amazing would it be for doctors to be able to design their own implant, to have it exactly how they want, and to manufacture it in the hospital rather than having to go elsewhere uh, and wait weeks on end to have this device created. I think that's really the way of the future. And eventually I think 3D printing will become so ubiquitous that every household uh, will have it in, in, in their own home. I think we all wanna be better stewards uh, of the earth. We're all much more conscious of the ideas of recycling and not wasting. Uh, and, and not really using uh, any, any more than what we need. I think that's even more so true in medicine. There's so much waste that's already involved. And I think 3D printing is one of those technologies that has this incredible ability to, to pay us back uh, by limiting the amount of waste in terms of the subtractive uh, technologies that, that I've already described, uh, where we're taking away things and throwing away all the excess material. It doesn't make sense to take a giant block of uh, plastic and throw away 90% of it only to use the 10% and to toss the rest into a landfill. I think we all can agree that pioneers like Dr. Wu will continue to create a world that improves patient outcomes while reducing waste in the process. I'd like to welcome Joshua to the conversation to talk a little more about what the implications of 3D printing in the medical field mean for plastics. Welcome, Joshua. I'm curious, what surprised you the most? 
I think the thing that I found most interesting about that conversation is just really when people think about material and plastic as a material, they largely think of it as a bottle or a bag and really forget about all of its innovative uses. And I thought what we heard in the recording in that great interview is just really the impact that this material has on people's lives. You know, we as advocates for the industry firmly believe that plastic is a superior material because it keeps food fresh and lightweights vehicles. But what an amazing example here of being able to help people be whole again. You know, the facial trauma that he talked about, making people's lives better. You know, this idea that we could use 3D printing in the near future in our home every day versus it just being something that's accessible to millionaires. I thought it was a great example of the multi-purpose uses of the material that our members make. Absolutely. I mean, people from all walks of life just will be able to do so much more and will be able to help people so much more. And not just, I mean, this is probably the best example of what more than your own body, but in vehicles, in housing. I mean, just, I, I think the applications are limitless. Yeah, I completely agree. And I felt the best part of that conversation is the encouragement for our listeners to use their imagination about what 3D printing can do. You know, I hope we have a day as I uh, was mentioned in an interview where I have a 3D printer at home, but maybe we're not that far off. I don't know. Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about what 3D printing does when it comes to some of the core things they talk about when it, in, in healthcare and plastic surgery, prosthetics and casts and implants. You know, I think for me, Mia, and you have kids as well, too, so you probably share these same fears that I do. But, you know, kids are jumping off the couch. Kids are playing football. Kids are playing soccer. You know, I got an incident report today from school about two kids who headbutted themselves on the playground. And, you know, thank the Lord, no one has had any sort of major injuries. But it's pretty cool to imagine that 3D printing could help fix a very terrifying accident like that, whether it's a cast, an implant, a prosthetic. I mean, it's pretty amazing what the the innovation is there for, for a product like that. I think how long products might be able to last because the strength of the material too. It just, it's amazing. Yeah. And I think all of, you know, for better or for worse, right, we have lived through an era from 9-11 to now where we had many people who faced trauma and injury in response to many of those efforts. And I got to imagine that all of this work can make their life even better. Yeah. And to make it so personalized to your own body, there's no other way to do something like that and how far we've come and how much, you know, innovation has gone into this. And can you imagine 50 years ago, even 30 years ago, even having a conversation like this? So is additive manufacturing, what he describes in the process of using, you know, or having less waste being landfilled where you are able to model this to the specific requirements or measurements that are needed? I did finally understand it for the first time. Uh, Dr. Wu explained it so well. I've heard that term additive manufacturing for a few years, and it's not really resonated with me. But when he explained it as instead of starting with a big lump of clay, and then you're taking away and cutting away at it, you're just starting from nothing and only creating what you need. More sustainable, less material, helping people's lives be a little bit better. Well said. Joshua, thanks for joining us today. And a special thanks to Dr. Wu for spending so much time with us. And of course, thanks to you, our listeners, for sustainably speaking with us today. Please leave us a review and share sustainably speaking with your friends or colleagues. 
We'll be back in your podcast feeds with a new episode soon.